And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a tremendous weekend. I know I did. Hopefully you guys had a good one. Uh, great show today. I had uh, Genesis Sanchez from Lone Conservative and Campus Reform. Uh, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Talked about socialism, as always. <laughs> we talked about uh, leftist attacks on free speech on college campuses and a bunch of other stuff. So hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, Jen was great. and We'll definitely bring her back on very soon. Uh, before we get to the show, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you vape or if you smoke and want to quit, uh, definitely check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. All their stuff is FDA compliant and it is delicious. Um, they have any kind of mod, battery, tank, coil, anything you need, uh, anything you need, uh, they've got. Uh, PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Uh, they have physical locations in Perrysburg and Holland, Ohio. If you're in Northwest Ohio or you're traveling through the area, check them out in person. If not, go to PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. You really can't beat that. And uh, please follow us on Twitter if you don't already at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five star rating and a good review. And obviously, two shows a week, every Monday and Wednesday afternoon. The content will always be free. But if you want to contribute monthly, you can check us out on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash The No Gimmicks Podcast. Um, there's some cool incentives over there if you choose to get involved. If not, it's all good. Tell your friends about us. Uh, tweet at us. Share it on Facebook, all that good stuff. We appreciate you guys. We love you. I'm always trying to make this thing bigger and better for you guys. A lot of big stuff in the works uh, that I can't quite announce yet, but a lot of really great stuff coming down the pike. Uh, without further ado, here is my chat with Genesis Sanchez. All right, guys, we're here with Genesis Sanchez from Lone Conservative. And uh, Campus Reform. Uh, Jen, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely, anytime. Um, so you spent a lot of time talking and writing about the state of conservatism on college campuses and the attacks on free speech um, from the left on, on college campuses. Um, How did you kind of get started down that road, and what, what brought you to this topic of focus uh, specifically? Yeah, so in 2016, I joined the Marco Rubio uh Senate re-election campaign. And that pretty much got my foot in the door with the political arena, if you would. Um, I had a great boss who was a great mentor and someone I still talk to today. Um, he actually guided me through pretty much the first few crucial months of deciding that politics was my was going to be my career field and kind of helped me get uh, he helped me network. He helps me with my resume. Um, it was a lot more than um, I would have ever even imagined. Excuse me, but um, I owe pretty much everything to him um, for pushing me, and it was—it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're—you are in college right now? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be a sophomore. 
Okay, and have you noticed a lot of the, uh, you know, the free speech attacks that we've been noticing all over the country, or uh, is where you go to school a little bit more open and honest with people? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up in pretty much a Christian conservative household, I had heard about um, sort of the attacks on free speech and called conservatism for um, for growing up pretty much. But when I got to college, I would have never imagined it to be what it was. I started a chapter on campus um, that focused on free market ideals, which is pretty much a conservative viewpoint. And um, we just, the people I met, I met self-proclaimed Marxists and socialists and, oh gosh, (laughs) too much. Right. And have you gotten any pushback from college professors or just your fellow students? Oh, absolutely. I've gotten uh, points taken off paper exams, tests, quizzes, you name it, for just talking about, you know, stuff that's important to me, Uh, free markets, um, limited government, being pro-life, and it's just, it's insane. Gotcha. Where do you think this is heading? I mean, I, um, obviously a lot of these, these Marxist college professors, you know, they're the baby boomer generation that, you know, back in the 60s, they were always friendly to communism and they're kind of still there on, on campus across the country. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. Do you think we're going to hit a point where, you know, a lot of conservatives, unless they want to you know, be a lawyer or, or a doctor or something very specific, might just bypass going to college altogether? I mean, where do you think what do you think campuses will look like in 10 or 20 years? Yeah, and I hope we never get to that point where right. um, people are not going to college because of the indoctrination that is kind of happening to our students. But I can't say that I haven't learned anything from a liberal or left-leaning professor. I would be lying. I have definitely learned um, how to better advocate for my conservative values by hearing viewpoints that I don't always agree with. But it really has opened my eyes to uh, kind of seeing it from the other side and seeing what other people think, you know, and what other people think. And it really, truly, college is great in that aspect, but some professors do go over the top. Right. And I don't know how old you are, Jen, and I won't ask. I would never ask a lady her age. But um, most people (laughs) in college, most people your age, I mean, don't have established principles yet. They're a lot more subject to indoctrination than somebody like you. Um, or even myself at that age, even though I, I never went to college. Um, you know, do you, there obviously is that danger that I'd say, I don't know, maybe probably the majority of kids entering college don't really know what they think on just about anything yet. And if, you know, these 60-year-old professors are saying something that kind of makes sense, even if it is completely misguided and, you know, evil, sure. like, like Marxism, yeah. uh, I, that definitely is a danger. Sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, I... I wish them the best. Um, it's kind of hard to get past the liberal bias, though, in some assignments and some um, learning curriculum because it is, I, in my opinion, I just feel that it's so, so um, straightforward now. Before it was more hidden, but, but um, I had an assignment in a class earlier this year, and the textbook was talking about 
about President Trump and talking about his views on immigration. And basically the Trump assignment is already, Hold on a second. Trump is already in textbooks? I yes. you have to be like a historical <laughs> figure to be in textbooks. He's only been president for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's already It's got to be a world books. record. I mean, he should be proud of himself. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no. So, basically, just, um, just to write about um, uh, white privilege in Trump's America. And I was like... <laughs> None of this makes sense. I thought I was writing about immigration. Like, <laughs> oh my god, they 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 will take any stab at our president that <laughs> that they can. Right. So you've you know you have taken action. You actually spoke to uh, the Florida House of Representatives. Um, so what what did you say to to the Florida Assembly and and how receptive were uh, your state reps? Um, on the topic of, of free speech on, on campus and stuff like that. Did they did they get it? Uh, I know that Florida State House does have a majority of Republicans. Um, how receptive were they, and how was that conversation? Yeah, that, so that was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life, honestly, or my young adult career. Um, so I back in January, I got to basically take part in um, helping our free speech bill get passed in Florida. So what this means was that I was uh, going to essentially every Senate and um, House meeting about the free speech and how free speech zones are um, uh, detrimental to the success of, of college campuses and how um, we should they, they should be eliminated. No area on your campus needs to be um, free speech needs to be prohibited. Um, free speech should be everywhere. So um, I was going and I was basically talking about my free speech zone on my college campus, whether my dean wants to admit it or not, I would table for my chapter, uh, let's say outside where there's more foot traffic by the flagpole. If I even moved to in front of the library, I would be, you know, talked to, um, sent to the dean's office, kind of just like basically scrutinized for moving in an area that um, got more foot traffic and that that wasn't right that I was being penalized for just wanting to advance um, my chapter and so you know I went I lobbied and basically eventually we got it passed so that was awesome our governor Rick Scott signed into law so there's no more free speech zones in Florida so that that was super cool yeah that's fantastic um did you speak to any of the the Democrats in the in the state house, and were they receptive to anything that you had to say, or was it kind of like a down the party line kind of vote? Um, it was. Um, we had several several hearings of it. I want to say there was like maybe ten or twelve in total for both the House and the Senate, um, and. It turned out to be pretty much a Republican vote. Um, there were some Democrats in there that um, supported it, but it was mostly Republican. But um, well, I guess better than nothing, <laughs> you know. At least it <laughs> yeah. passed. So, yes, can't complain yeah. too much. Um, so you're down in you're down in Tallahassee, Florida. Obviously, Florida's a big battleground state that went went red in the the 2016 presidential election. 
Um, Governor Rick Scott is, uh, I believe, his approval rating is up in the high 50s, low 60s. He's been a very successful um, governor for the the most part. He caved a little bit on guns. That ticked me off a little bit. But overall, um, <laughs> Governor Scott has been a very effective governor um, for the last eight years in Florida. Um, and now he's running for the Senate against Bill Nelson, who's, uh, you know, you, you even forget you forget that Bill Nelson exists, to be honest with you. He never says anything, never does any interviews. But um, I, last time I saw, I believe Governor Scott was six or eight points ahead of uh, Bill Nelson. So that's definitely one of the seats uh, that it's really looking like uh, the Republicans could flip. Um, how's the energy on the ground in Florida? Do you think that uh, Rick Scott is going to is going to take out Bill Nelson? In November. Yes, yes, I 100% in my heart believe that uh, Rick Scott will beat Bill Nelson. So, I last I checked, uh, Rick Scott was up, um, I think, six or eight points in the polls. Um, he's doing a fabulous job. He's raised more money than uh, Bill Nelson in our last quarter. He actually uh, either doubled or tripled his um, his amount in donations. Um, we, the Republican party of Florida just passed or, or, or just hit their one millionth door for, um, the 2018 midterm election. So yeah, we, the, the energy's hot down here. We are very excited for, um, the next few months and we're looking forward to putting Rick Scott in the Senate where he belongs. Absolutely. They, I mean, Florida will have to find somebody else to fight Superman then. Um, <laughs> Obviously, Rick Scott looks like Lex Luthor. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that he's definitely the right man for the job. And, uh, you know, there's several other seats that it looks like uh, Republicans have a great chance to pick up. Uh, North Dakota, Heidi Heitkamp's seat uh, is a toss-up right now. Uh, Joe Donnelly's seat in Indiana. Uh, Joe Manchin's seat in West Virginia. Uh, Claire McCaskill, I think, is pulling ahead of, of uh, Josh Hawley, the Republican frontrunner right now. But, um, yeah, I... What do you think? I, I think the Republicans could pick up four or five seats in the Senate easily. I think they could end up with 55, 56 seats. What, what, what do you think? What's your prediction for the Senate? And then, uh, obviously, the, the Dems have a really solid chance, probably a better than 50-50 chance of picking up the House. Right now, in the generic congressional ballot, the Dems are up nine points, um, which I, I don't know how much sure. stock to put in that because that number has fluctuated greatly they've gone from 15 16 points up to a couple points down and it keeps going back yeah. and forth so I, I think it's too and i know my listeners have wanted me to talk about the midterms a little bit i've been putting it off because it is still several months away um but w- what do you think senate and house any any predictions for us um so i definitely think that we could keep our senate majority I'm not so sure about the House, I'll be quite honest, just because of um, a few things that have happened this year, such as uh, maybe Parkland uh, being a big factor, Um, and um, just the anti-gun agenda that the left has definitely could affect us. But I do think we'll keep our Senate majority, just from the fact that I do know that Republicans... um, are doing well in their grassroots efforts. So that means like knocking doors, phone banking. Um, I've seen democratic, um, elections or or campaigns, sorry, um, kind of just fail. And, um, because they, they don't take the time to actually get out there, go knock the doors, go talk to the community, you know, go to local events. Um, 
you know, some people just look past that. And I think that the grassroots effort in all campaigns is is the most important aspect of a campaign, honestly. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and both of us have worked on campaigns sure. in, the, in the past. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of phone banking and it's a lot of knocking doors and just monotonous pain in the ass grinding you know it is yeah. it is really a grind and it really sucks and it's a lot of hard work and and it, you know campaigns rely on young people to either mm-hmm. you know either paid staff or volunteers a lot of them are young doing all this work and you know i, I just have a feeling that young democrats aren't really into hard work <laughs> I mean, <laughs> generally speaking I, I don't think a lot of young socialists in college are going to want to you know phone bank 12 hours a day i just don't really see that happening. sure sure <laughs> But yeah, and obviously we'll talk more about the midterms as it gets closer. I, you know, I'm not going to, you can't really predict too accurately at this point. It's not even August yet. So um, sure. half, the pri- <laughs> half the primaries haven't even happened yet. Um, another piece of news <laughs> um, from over the weekend, Bernie Sanders is introducing his Medicare for all bill, obviously the socialist senator from Vermont. <laughs> Economists have estimated that this, this bill, if it became law, would cost almost $33 trillion over the course of 10 years. That would roughly double the annual federal budget. The annual uh, annual federal budget is around $4 trillion. So you'd be averaging about $3.3 trillion on top of that to make Medicare for all happen. I mean, obviously that would bankrupt the country and would, I mean, we'd be done. I mean, that'd be it. I mean, America would be over. <laughs> um, what, what do you make of this? Oh, Bernie, just give it up. <laughs> it's not going to work. Socialism is never going to work. Um, I oh, I just... Bernie Sanders is just... He's like that grandpa at, <laughs> at Thanksgiving dinner that gets too drunk too easily. And everyone is just like, Grandpa, stop. But he, like, he can't. And I feel like that's just his continual cycle is just repeating the same tactics that have been tried multiple times, but they don't work and he just, just won't give up. And so. I mean, I every, I every just... Marxist nation, every communist country has found out that communism isn't affordable. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why the Soviet union fell. Like the Soviet union didn't fall because of a revolution or because, you know, anything it was, they couldn't afford communism anymore. They couldn't afford all the, you know, their, invasion of afghanistan they couldn't bail out the eastern european economies anymore that's why they started letting poland and 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 germany and and czechoslovakia at the time and these countries start holding elections because they couldn't afford communism they couldn't afford to bail out these economies every marxist nation finds out that that communism isn't affordable and i just pray to god we don't have to find that out the hard way here (laughs) right so what do you make of the Democrats openly embracing Marxism? I mean, obviously you see with their, their new superstar, uh, oh my gosh, her name. I, I, I screw up Alexandria, her name every time. Alexandria. Alexandria. Um, Ocasio-Cortez, right. Yes. <laughs> I, I kept calling her um, Anastasia. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, so my mom actually grew up in, my mom grew up in Cuba. Um, I talk about it quite frequently on my Twitter Um, I talk about how um, um, her mom, so my grandmother, would, you know, stand in line for hours in the bread line and um, would just cry her eyes out when um, she brought home two slices of bread back for my mother and my aunt. And, you know, the two pieces of bread that she stood in line 
hours to get had bugs all over it. She would cry as she was picking the bugs off just to feed my, my mom and my aunt, just anything. And, you know, hearing these stories growing up of how much my, um, my grandmother struggled, my mom struggled. Um, it just breaks my heart for, um, these uneducated kids that, think that we can repeat socialism and we can't it's um they say they're all for human um human rights um that socialism does not care about human rights at all in the slightest um it's just disgraceful right no i totally agree and honestly i believe that the the cuban vote in florida is one of the big reasons why florida went red in 2016 absolutely um, cuban america's vote uh, overwhelmingly Republican, and especially because you know I'm sure they all saw the the how far left the Democrats have gone in the last several years. And once something <laughs> starts resembling socialism, Cuban Americans are like, okay, anything but that. You know, I think that that was absolutely. one of the main driving forces behind Florida going for Trump. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, my mom was a very proud and vocal Trump supporter. Um, in 2016, and she still is, um, because she knows that President Trump um, can get the job done. He's not all talk like these other career politicians. She wanted um, fresh meat in the house. And um, look at what Trump's done. Trump has done great things. And um, you would be lying to yourself if you, you know, kind of ignored all that he's done. I think, uh, what was it? The New York Times even just put out an opinion piece on um, Trump and how well the economy is doing under President Trump. And you can't ignore the facts. No, I mean, you can't argue with 4.1 percent um, GDP growth for the second uh, quarter of 2018. You really can't argue with that. Um, and, you know, 3.8 percent unemployment, the lowest in something like 35 years. Um, yeah, you really have to be an idiot to to not notice a lot of the great things the president's done. I, obviously, I don't agree with him on everything, but um, sure. Yeah, I mean, credit where credits due. I mean, we have a booming economy. Um, ISIS has been completely not completely eliminated, but you know, well on their way to being completely eliminated. Um, yeah, I mean, we're moving towards peace all over the world, so there's really not that much to complain about. I'd say. Yeah, I yeah I completely agree. So will. The Democratic Party, this whole socialism thing, they're, they're at a turning point. They really are. They're either going to be completely engulfed by Marxism, which is what about half the party wants. I, I saw a stat saying that 45% of registered Democrats describe themselves as socialists. So it's not a fringe element within the party. It is a, it's not the majority, but it is a large percentage, which is terrifying. Um, but they're going to have to choose to go full Marxist or to moderate. Um, you know, go back to like a Bill Clinton 1990s kind of Democratic <laughs> Party. Um, sure. Which way are they going to go? Um, you know, it could go either way. Um, I think that um, Gen Z is becoming more and more comfortable with socialism because they like being handed free stuff. You know, Bernie Sanders was screaming free college, free health care, free this, free that. But who actually is going to pay for that? Um, I think that um, my peers um, in college could could um, definitely go for free college, of course. I mean, it sounds great, but then 
when you really get down to it, um, it's actually a very terrible idea. And so we need to preach to our students and our peers and our friends that, you know, um, the, the truth and the logistics of the situation of, 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 uh, free, free college. Right. And Bernie Sanders and, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez nailed it this time. Um, you know, they say they want to just tax the, the, the 1%. You know, they want to tax the top 1% or whatever. If you confiscated 100% of the wealth from the 1%, that wouldn't pay for one-tenth of Medicare for all. I mean, it wouldn't even, it would, it would be a drop in the bucket. You could just confiscate all the private property and wealth of the 1%, the way the communists like to. And that, that wouldn't do anything. That wouldn't pay for free college for everybody or <laughs> Medicare for all. That wouldn't even make a dent. I mean, to, to pay for these things, you'd have to you know, confiscate all the wealth and property from the, the rich, and then you'd have to tax the middle class at 60 70% as well. I mean, really, you'd, you'd have to tax the entire economy into the ground, and then, of course, we'd have a giant economic collapse, and then everybody would be poor anyway. <laughs> so there's really no, <laughs> like, there's no path to affordability for Medicare for all. There's no path for affordability for free college for everybody. It's just that it doesn't exist. Sure, yeah, and... Like I said, we definitely just need to teach our students um, the logistics of the situation. Absolutely. So before I let you go, uh, you were at a uh, pro-Israel conference in D.C. last week, and you're actually traveling to Israel um, next week. Uh, so how was that? And how? Uh, what do you, What do you make of the? I know we're hammering the Democrats today, like we usually do, but <laughs> what do you make of the pretty blatant anti-Semitism from the left these days? Right. So I was very fortunate enough to attend the KUFI summit last week in Washington, D.C. I um, went for um, the college aspect of it. So that means I was there for four days in, in our nation's capital. Um, first two days, I learned um, a lot more about Israel. I've been studying Israel for maybe the past like six months. And um, this pretty much solidified um my love for the state of Israel and all that good stuff. And um, we talked a lot about anti-Semitism and how um, it is just destroying today's, um, today's um, society and how um, it's just so blatant nowadays, um, the lack of disrespect for the Jewish community. And um, it's insane. Um like Brady said, I'm going to Israel next week, and I'm so excited to to finally visit the place that I've been studying for so long, and just really like feel feel God's presence there. So I'm very excited for it. Absolutely, yeah. Israel is definitely on my to do list. Um, I've never been there, but I, I definitely look forward to hopefully going one day. Um, all right, I'll let you go. I, I know we've already run over a little bit. We had some uh, technical difficulties that you guys won't be hearing. Um, fortunately that we got figured out, but, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, Jen, and where, where can everybody find you online and read your stuff and, uh, and keep in touch with you. Yeah. So I write for Lone Conservative. Um, we're a college based publication, so you can find me at loneconservative.com. I write for campus reform. Um, just search Genesis Sanchez on there and you can find me on Twitter at, at, I just change my at <laughs> um i think it's i think it's jen with a g with two n's and sanchez that sounds right 
great. <laughs> we'll, we'll be blasting it out. So uh, everybody follow Jen on Twitter. She's great. Check out her writing and uh, keep in touch with her and uh, all that good stuff. We'll definitely have her back on uh, very soon. And uh, I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Oh, oh, oh,